Welcome to the Golf Barons Podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical telling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Welcome to the Golf Barons Podcast. Phil, great to have you along. Damien, great to be joining you. Let's get straight into it. I want to know something that's got your goat up this week. What is something that you hate? I'm jumping on a topical issue straight away. I'm taking sides, green reading books over the PGA Tour. I know it doesn't affect us, normal golfers, who we don't need them. The great putters of the world never had them. True. And Crenshaw never had them. True. Brad Faxon never had one. And, and it separated them from the, the pack. Ricky Fowler would be the best putter in the world currently without a green reading book. It allows players who can't read greens and caddies who aren't as good at reading greens to catch up, and I don't like it. I think it's, a, it's an advantage. It's a tool of the trade, the ability to read a green and then hit the putt. Is it a blight on the game, and do we need to get rid of them? Gone. Gone. G-A-W-N. Gone. What about you, Damien? What do you hate? What do I hate? I'm hating losing balls off the tee. You. I know that sounds silly, but I've been doing a lot of it of late, and I of can't late. handle it more of late and um, quite frankly it needs to go out of my game I can't stand it it's blowing my scores out losing balls is a joke off the tee I need to hit it straighter have you thought about not hitting driver or do you lose them with everything no I like using my big dog and I want to keep hitting it (laughs) I will learn how to hit it I've just got to not lose balls and it's starting to add up in the cost department so that can go I hate losing balls I know I'm not the only golfer Um, have you tried because you probably use white I do and that was not racist um, have bit. you thought about have you thought about going yellow so at least if you hit them into the trees you can find them no, easier? I, have, I love actually love using coloured balls and the only reason I don't is that everyone from pretty much anywhere will see just how wayward I can be. Oh, it's pretty wayward and that explains your fascination and love of Lynx courses, no doubt. Speaking speaking of love, I want to get something that you do that you love this week. I mean, we've done the hate. Let's get into love. The thing that because the game's all about love. Yeah, the game is all about love. Now you and I have something in common in that off the tee. Fraction wayward, potentially a distance difference, and we'll touch on that, I'm sure, at another time. No need to now. But when I'm looking for my balls shorter off the tee and in the trees, nothing is better than, one, finding your own ball, if you've got to swing at it. That's good. But finding good quality balls. Oh, you love finding new balls. I love finding good balls. It's such a thrill to go and to in there, and, and if you see the brand, it starts with a T, you know my favourite ball, TP5, but even at Titleist, you go in there and you, you find it and you just, oh, please be good condition and please be the model I want, because the reality is I'm also a lost ball snob, and that if I find a ball that I feel is below me, meaning if it's not Pro V1 or TP5 or Chromesoft or one of those, I am likely to pick it up and I'm likely to heave it deeper into You'll the trees. Throw it. I've seen you throw it yeah. deeper. Often. Very selfish. Very, very, that, that's almost a bit of uh, golf snobbery there, Phil. I have never been accused of being a good person, Damien. No, and I've never. not been one to accuse you of it. Never. Now, what do you love more to the point, Damien? I'll tell you what I'm loving. I'm loving music whilst playing. Music in my ears, playing along to some music. Headphones or speaker? Um, no, I like the speaker. I, I like in a group, it, it creates a really relaxed atmosphere. I think it's fantastic. There should be more of it. Uh, we don't do it on course uh, often because, you know, you, there's so many rules around courses these days. 
I think it's something that will really, I think it'll speed up the game as well. Less <laughs> less attention to the set voices in your head and more to the music that you're playing, uh, that you're listening to. You know who started this trend? Michael Jordan. El Shervet, Caddyshack. He changed the world. I think the more that people, I think if every rules committee and every member as part of their induction had to watch Caddyshack, it changed their whole attitude to the game of golf. How many years ago was that? It doesn't matter how many games. And how far. It was no, I'm saying is where are we at now? It's still not. We need to bring Because we're not game. demanding enough people watch Caddyshack. I think this is the secret to everything. In fact, anything with Chevy Chase, to be completely frank. No, you're not going to get an argument with, from me there. Um, but as in the cricket, so we're seeing this trend at the moment, that particularly in the, in the um, Big Bash and, and the 2020 tournaments, that as players are walking out to bat, a song is played. Oh, the music. Okay, yeah. A, right. a song associated so with them, yeah. My question to you, Damien is if you were being introduced onto the first tee and a song had to be played, what song are they playing? Oh, man. The way I'm hitting them at the moment, um, Hello, Goodbye by the Beatles. <laughs> so I sat in the ball as I put it on the tee and, and then just before I sat off on its, on its way. Why? What so not, you... not Mac the Knife? Oh, yeah, well, very good. Yeah, no, that could uh, – that they all there's a, see, there's a lot of songs that would, would yes, apply to me. What would, what would you go with? Um Ned, I'll preface this by saying you've never been a fan of my fabric when it comes to my um, my fashion choices. Oh, and you're how a I terrible dresser. In fact, we need to get someone on board to uh, to dress you, and we're going to need a bit of a golf baron's makeover. I dispute this. We don't always see things in the same colours or the same combinations. Although I have been pointed out a number of times that I have no clue. So mine would be uh, wearing that Cosby sweater or Cosby sweater by the Hilltop Hoods without question. Oh, a bit of self-deprecation. I like it because I, I think you know sometimes you just have to accept that you have no clue. When it comes to fashion, surely you would be you would be more likely to do something by um, changes by Bowie. You have so many every. For those of you who don't know Phil, you he has a different theory just about on every swing that he has. He changes his theories on a uh, on a whim. So I'd put you down as changes. One of the joys of me playing golf is dealing with my theories, and you know that. <laughs> you know that I'll happily declare them. Is that, or I'll attempt to play a shot that I just don't have in my bag as a theory. So, I, you know what? I actually don't mind that. And I love David Bowie. And Bowie is, um, the more I think about it, think of Bowie tunes. He is your, you actually have an artist as you know. You don't even have to have one song. You could just have something different by him. You could have Sorrow, Look Back in Anger, you could, <laughs> Under <upsetting> Pressure. <laughs> George is getting upset, Damien. Fashion for a bit of an ironic twist. And China Girl, we've, no, I don't know about the last one. You're but, suggesting I'm now Ziggy Stardust. Oh, wow. You, there's a plenty that you could be. But no, I think we need to, my love, music, more people need to do it. Fantastic. It, it is good. It changes the whole environment. Um, yeah. Awesome. Now, game changers, things that, things that are um, to really lift the game or, or things that just to get people focused more on the game. I know you've got one that you've been banging on about for a while. Um, I have, and it's actually a, an initiative. And believe it or not, I'm going to say something complimentary about a local council. First for everything. There's a, there's a municipality in, in Melbourne that in every park they have what's called a birdie cage or a hitting cage, which is, is effectively a net set up, looks like a cricket net, um, often attached to cricket nets, but sometimes standalone, where you can just go there and close the door, put some balls down, hit off a mat into a net, and, and it brings golf... It brings golf into everyday interaction with kids at playgrounds and, and all the rest of it. it. It exposes the game to a number of people who potentially, you know, either wouldn't play or it actually gives them permission as part of that progression rather than going to a driving range. I can just sneak off into the net and hit. And I know my kids um, have spent a bit of time in them as well, um, not just as punishment. And I, I think to actually 
um, bring the game of golf into just into that that inclusive uh, nature is fantastic. I'm, I probably need to get in there just to straighten out the um, the driver as well. I won't be losing any balls in there. You'd be surprised, but at least they're they're easy to find. Do my best. <laughs> they're easy to find. What about you, Damien? What's going to change the game? I think we need to give caddies rangefinders. Simple as that. I think we need to stop with the the um, the yardage books. We need to give caddies a, a laser. Hit up the target. Take the distance. The, the painstaking distance, stepping them out and all that sort of stuff, take it out of the game, add to that the um, all the other stuff that they're going to do that they tell us are so important. As, as Kipper, Kipper, as Kipper us, often points out, the role us of a They're caddy. so important and they do so many different things. Well, let's take out one one thing, one aspect that's slowing down the game, give them a rangefinder, done. Speeds up the game, do you think? I think it has to, it can only. Or we'll at least find, we'll, we will at least identify something that isn't a part of the slow pay problem that we've been talking about. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I think that's about as good a solution uh, as you've come up with. In fact, probably as good a solution as you've come up with to a problem ever. That's uh, that's a little bit hurtful. Let's move on to something that is your is right in your wheelhouse. Let's talk about gear. We've had a particularly good year um, for gear, I, I think, and, and often what we'll find in the, the golf industry is there's um, equipment and technology goes in leaps and then a step and then a leap and then a step. And I think 2019 has been a leap year where Definitely every, every year. company is really challenged and come out with almost, you know, so what's the best stuff? And, and every golf company will still say, oh, we're sitting on plenty, we're sitting on plenty. But I think this has been a year, be it artificial intelligence, be it... Um, injected faces, be it, you know, movable weight or different interpretations on movable weight, um, multi-material. Like, you know, everyone has done something. And they've done something big, haven't they, this year? It's been, and in terms of the product, I mean, we've tested a lot of it. We've reviewed a lot of them, as you'll see on on our website. There are, they have come so far this year that, that I can't think of, I'm just trying to go back, it's probably been a decade since we've seen such an advancement in, in the drivers and fairways for mine. Well, there's leaps. So, you know, we talk about the big, the big leaps that happened in, in golf, and one of the big leap being Metalwoods and the first Metalwood. Big leap being uh, move a weight, um, a big meet, you know, and then from there, the leaps have been about grades of titanium, um, you know, trying to get a wider, bigger footprint, MOI and all the rest of it. And it, it just seems now that maybe the reins have been taken off a little bit and, and at a senior level or any, at, at the the most senior level in every company, the big dogs are, are walking into their R&D departments going, no, no, give us more, give us more. Because eventually these brands will probably need to start saying an honest marketing approach, which is buy a new driver, won't go any further, but you deserve it. It's just better. Um, now, is there a driver, Damien, if we deal with, or a product particularly that you've seen that you've said, you know what, that that is my bag worthy. Like, that that goes in. Yeah, there's a few, look. There's honestly there's a few this year that that would ordinarily go go in the bag, um, having tested them and and absolutely loving them. But the standout for me has to be the Mizuno ST190G. Um, That's the move white. Yeah, and the, the, lower, the lower spinning version. The reason for me is because I didn't expect to see Mizuno create something that good. Um, without being disrespectful to Mizuno, they're not renowned for their amazing um, drivers, but that's completely changed with this this inclusion. If they keep that going, they are absolutely in the market. Uh, it shows how much knowledge is actually sitting from an R&D point of view that, they again, they flex depending on timing and there's cost and obviously associated with all of it. But but I agree. I, I think the first time I hit um, the 190G, uh, and I know that I've, I've had one in my hands that I lent to a couple of people. One who was a very good player straight away said, can you order me one um, or can you get one for me? Um, and another one, I can't get it back. 
um, and pretty esteemed player, but that is just the driver that he now now uses. And it's understated. It flies under the radar a little bit more because, as you say, you wouldn't necessarily expect Mizuno, the Kings of Irons, to come up with something like... And then you still got, you know, the G410 by Ping, uh, G410 Plus, sorry, that thing's, that thing's amazing. They were already coming from a very high platform with the G400 and G500 Max from last year. Well, I think they were with G400 Max. I mean, G400 Max remains potentially the greatest driver um, that has been made from a fairways point of view and the advantage of hitting fairways um, can't ever be understated. I mean, that is that is out of this world accurate uh, and stable. G410 Plus, their first foray into the, the metal wood, uh, into the mover weight um, category um, and a great interpretation of it, even though a few have been there for a while, but still the profile and all the other technology. Oh, it's classic ping as well. Um, is tremendous. Um, anything else that stood out? Fairways. Fairways. We've talked about how fairways are, have, are the hardest or the, the most difficult to talk a pro into. Um, this year, I don't think there'll be too many people struggling to get into the uh, the tour edge, the exotic CBX 119 that we tested. We reviewed that. That thing is unbelievable. Is that the three wood that you're refusing to give me back? That's the three wood that will be staying in my bag until you pry it from my colder dead hands. It's interesting that that when I know your first reaction when you first saw it and put it down behind the ball, some golf clubs just look like they need to hit golf balls. I mean, they've just been, and I know that is their purpose, but some just love it and are, and look aggressive. I think aggressive is the terminology that's aggressive yet beautiful. I know it's a strange thing to describe a club, but it is a beautiful looking thing. And it's in, in its simplicity. I mean, it's not oversized and there's not a lot going on. It is just neat and tidy. And I, I do recall watching you and Dees in the review attempting to look like you're arguing about who's going to keep it. But the reality was, is that there was some discussion. The discussion ended up being more between you and I, funnily enough, given the fact that as I might have mentioned a couple of times, it is mine. Seem to be cracking up here, so we might move on to balls. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of a couple of balls that we tested this year that surprised me a little bit, and I don't I don't know that it actually should have because there's enough. Everyone I've spoken to who's used them raves about them, and I'm talking about the Srixen Z Star balls and the Z Star XV balls. They're not Strixen, as Kipper tends to throw around, yeah, but, but you can throw it. You're allowed to throw in a T every now and again. Why surely. not? Those things were those things were great though. Jokes aside, we talk about we know the the big you know the big three big four balls, but they have to be in the discussion. I think sometimes so again it's another product that flies a little bit under the radar, and they would argue that it doesn't you know because they've got a number of guys on tour and, and all the rest of it that use it. But I think one of the challenges sometimes is that we get so caught up in in our habits that we're just a tightless guy or we just become a tailor-made guy or we become a Callaway guy. And therefore, if we're going to switch golf balls, our expectation of what they can do goes through the roof, whereby we expect it to fly 10 metres further, not be the same distance or spin more, you know, not spin the same. I know a number of people who've put the Strixen ball into play and have genuinely been surprised, well, I didn't know it was this good. Whether or not they maintain that or not, I can tell you, I, I think it's fantastic in the wind. It's fantastic around the greens. I love the yellow in it. The yellow's that vibrant, optic, beautiful colour that will potentially enable you to find some more of your wayward drives. Have you thought about going embracing the blue colour, dealing with our earlier issue about losing balls? Look, I have no problem with colour. I'm a big fan of different colours. No, I, I, the only reason I don't use coloured balls is because when I when I go very wide, I mean, there's something a fault that you obviously suffer from as well. Everyone can see you. Everyone can see just how badly you've hit it. That's the only reason because they are so visible. They are that good. It's a it's a mood argument. 
more okay. people more people should be using color, and I think the game. I think that's one way to really quick in, uh, to speed up the game as well. Yeah, there's no question about that, and I think color in general is a great thing for the game of golf. I think, we'll, be, yeah. I think we'll head more that way once people tend to you know let the let it go a little bit more and not as um not as stuck in their ways and they start to open up a little bit. I look forward to it. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Golf dreaming. Tell me about a course that you've been to either recently or one that you've been dreaming about um, that'll just get everyone up and about. Mine, it, when when this topic was first proposed, I'm going to start at the very top of my bucket list, which is St Andrews. I was lucky enough to go to St Andrews as a, as a young traveller, you know, 25 years ago and just walk around it looking like a scumbag, talking to a caddy but just enjoying the surrounds and enjoying the place on a misty old day. The journey that I was on there that took me there last year, it's magical. It, hairs stand up on, on the back of your neck, just walking around it, being a part of it. The fact that the whole town revolves around the golf course and around golf in general, um, and the thing that I love the most about it is that we talk about the inclusive golf needing to be more inclusive. Every premium golf course, or almost every premium golf course in the world is surrounded by gates, and signs saying go away. Yeah, shutting you out, yeah. St Andrews, and particularly the old course at St Andrews, is surrounded by a white wooden fence, and trust me, I got pretty close to it a few times, that is not a barrier to say go away. It's just a barrier saying this is the edge of the golf course. The fact that on a Sunday the old course becomes parkland and has since 1650 or whatever the case was. It is an incredible ode to the inclusiveness of the game and I think something that we need to remind ourselves of more and more. So yeah, it's a, it's a dream. Beautiful town, beautiful beautiful little village. It'd be remiss of me not to, uh, not to ask you if you did dabble in some of the local whiskies. Damien, as you know, I'm not a whiskey man and it's something that, that I regretted whilst being there because there was some yeah, magnificent offerings. But there are a couple of gins there and I haven't been a big gin man, but there was a, a gin particularly from a um, brand called Brockman's that I discovered. You rave about this. Um, and it was almost like Honey, I'm Home the first time I had this. It was it was quite an emotional experience saying, how long have you existed? And so we, our love affair has started with Brockman's. Um, the gin in general now for you. Um, it has expanded to gin as a category and I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate to be given a bottle of, of the Four Pillars Shiraz Gin from Yarra Valley, from Hillsville. That's changed your life, hasn't it? So. it? It would be fair. I mean, that was, that is love. So Brockman's bit was lust. <laughs> but this is love. This is a long-term relationship that's started. But I could rave, I could rave and rave and rave. But just, just wait until I do introduce you to some whiskeys. We'll get you. I'll get you involved. Don't worry about that. Um, dreaming for me this week, I'm actually going to go local. It's not too far from where I live. Peninsula Kingswood. I've seen uh, a lot of the stuff they've been putting out on social, um, social media imagery, some videos, some drone footage. I haven't been lucky enough to get down there yet, but in my word, it looks absolutely unbelievably beautiful. And the, all the feedback I'm getting from people is that the condition of the course is just has to be seen to be believed. What struck you about it most? Is there something that stands out? Because golf courses can tend to look a little bit same, same, uh, particularly from drone footage. The, the greens to me look inc- look incredibly pure, but that might also be because I've been told that they are. Um, I just love the, the layout, the, the colour, the contours. Everything about it just is my kind of golf. There's a really nice contrast at Peninsula Kingswood um, of the two courses that one takes off up into the hills and the other one takes off 
down into the flats. And so there's really nice, as I say, nice contrast and compromise between the two um, golf courses. Great facility. And one of the things I really like about Peninsula Kingswood is building accommodation in there as a launch pad. There's so much good golf to be played at, down in the Mornington Peninsula um, in Victoria, but accommodation has been the, the one piece that's been sadly lacking. Whereas you, you've now got another launch pad, like Peppers at Moon and Links, but you've now got another launch pad at Peninsula Kingswood that you can actually have that as the, the your base and your hub to be able to go and explore one of the beautiful golfing regions of, of the world and even all the way down to the national or otherwise. I think we're going to have to organise a journey, a golf baron's journey down there at some point. Would agree with that completely. I'd happily put my hand up to help you out. Yes, we'll see. We'll see if we're free that week. <laughs> a couple of things that have been trending of late. What have you got? Is there it's a- just feud watch? It is feud, isn't it? There's feuds everywhere. It's almost little spot fires popping up all around the place. I love it. In the PGA Tour family, a bit of family feud. I, I think Brooks, um, I'm going to give Brooks a lot of credit here. I give Brooks a lot of credit for well, we, everything we are he Brooks does. Fans. We've got to put our hands we up and Brooks say fans. we are. But, but Brooks, um, so Feldo used to be rumoured as having all this angst, but he, he tended to just keep it to himself. And the way you knew that he didn't like you is because he'd just walk straight through you or past you. Brooks, though, just calls it. He's, there's no shame in it. I don't like that, and I'm going to call you on it. I don't like that. There's I'm a brutal honesty about it. And he's done it with Brandel, who's still panicking and attempting to find a, a chink in his armour, but has not been able to yet. We've got Bryson, who's become... Um, he's enemy number one at the moment on two, He's become he? the most hateable person on... Tour and and you know Matt Kuchar is pretty thankful for Bryson to exist to take the heat off the caddy incident. You know you've got Luke Donald and Phil Mickelson having their spat. That's one I didn't see coming. No, and, and and I think that one is a philosophical disagreement about why the game is slow. It's not two people who didn't don't like each other. And it's around that green reading. It's all around the green, green reading, reading stuff. Um, but again, with that, there's a there's a real there's a real animosity at the moment on tour with the way in which people are engaging, and I'm not sure. Is that, a, is that a pent-up energy or um, frustration from years of not being able to speak about this stuff? I think what Brooks has done is given them permission to speak and whether they'll ever accept that or otherwise, uh, you know, I think he's really just said, it's okay to speak your mind. So is there some angst? Has everyone got lots of solutions? Maybe their angst is the fact that at an administra- administration level, nothing is getting done that they're feeling is, is impacting on their, their work or impacting positively on their work. Because the game, slow play is, is without question, there's a blight. It's a blight. And um, has been has been ever since I've played the game. But it's been a blight. And in fact, um, from having a look at before, there was a sign up and, and reading about the 1950 US Open at, at Merion Country Club. There was a sign in the locker room saying, you know, referring to slow play being a blight on the game and to speed it up. So, you know, this is not a five-year-old issue or 20-year-old issue. This is just an issue forever about keeping things engaged and keeping things moving along. Brooks, though, just calls it. He says, JB, you're pretty fast for a slow player, but you still played slow. You know, Bryson, you know, the same thing. And it was interesting, you know, um, and I'd love to have seen the Bryson versus Brooks physically because Bryson, you know, you tell the caddy that I want to have a chat to him and then my perception of Brooks, and it's interesting, is that he's 6 foot 10 and 120 kilos with massive biceps and the reality is he's not. So we have this perception of him being a beast. But in reality, he's just a beast because of the aura. He's like Norman in his day and Feldo in his day. Uh, and so the more he leads by opinion, um, the more chance change has got of happening. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you. This, this feuding, it's very entertaining to watch from a, from a distance. It's, um, it's been a lot of fun, I think. And I think it's going to get a little bit nasty before it, before it clears up. And I think it probably will. And, and, you know, there'll be a number of little issues. And I think it, it often reflects what we talk about when we're playing golf as well. I and mean, there's always got to be something that we don't quite agree on, just to add a little bit of pepper. Now, Phil, we want to end the podcast each, um, each time we do one with a 
history lesson. I know you've been looking, delving deep and doing a bit of research into some of the bigger things that have happened in golf over the years and the stories behind it or the reasoning behind it. What have you got for us today? Without boring you too much, Damien, one of the things we talk often about is the... um is why is it 14 clubs? We, you know, we talk about how much fun golf can be playing with nine clubs in the bag, but why is it 14? Or as you pointed out the other day when we were playing 15 um, that might have been in my bag, but I just couldn't decide between my seven drivers because I needed one to find a fairway longer than 100 metres out. Um, but it was the why 14 clubs, so I thought I'd have a bit of a look at it. And the 14 clubs actually became law in 1936 to, to then be put into place in 1938. But prior to that, there were no limits. Uh, and in fact, at the 1935 US Open, the average number of clubs in a bag was 18. The average was? The average number across the field, with, with one player having 35 clubs in his bag. That would up the average, wouldn't it? Um, which would up the average, but but that's across right hand and left hand. So he said, if I'm up against a tree and, you know, and I'm allowed to, why wouldn't I bring left-handed clubs? It, which is pretty good thinking. I'm not sure why he'd need a left-handed driver. But but isn't that, that would be taking the skill out of the game, wouldn't it? If you've got a, sh- if you've got a club for every shot possible out there, well, then you're sort of taking out that creativity. That's a very good point. So there were three main reasons that they wanted to cap the number of clubs in the bag. One of them was the poor old caddies. <clears throat> poor, poor old caddies. Has uh, Kipper been riding into you? Could you <laughs> right. for that? Yes. So we had to protect the caddies and the, the health of the caddies, which I think is great in terms of welfare. It's also acknowledging the critical role they play in the game. Um, so one was the caddies. Secondly, um, it was around... Um, inclusiveness and the inclusiveness that golf needed to. So if if the number of clubs in a bag was uncapped, wealthy players oh, of course, there's a cost players, to it, can yeah. afford to, to carry 100 clubs. So the inclusiveness was a problem way back then. So We're same, still talking about it today. Same obviously. thing, but not only that, but it was legislated as well, is that, you know, so 14 clubs seemed, was deemed reasonable, which was a combination of nine irons, four woods and a putter, was deemed the ideal set makeup. Um, and it's not, again, not too dissimilar today. Um, but again, that, that brings into play, it stops the wealthy being able to be given options that, that the others can't. But the key point around it was that they felt it was de-skilling the game. And, you know, one of our favourites, if not our favourite, being Seve, Seve, the ability to hit a six iron like a nine iron or the six iron like a two iron or, or otherwise, um, as opposed to carrying 400 clubs in his bag and being able to, to just have a different club for every single shot and, and that creative side. So they felt that it was de-skilling the game, so it was deemed that, that 14 clubs would be the, the maximum number, other than for me, which is 15, um, or it's a little bit more arbitrary than that, let's be honest. Um, but 14 clubs come into play in 1938, and that's been the case ever since. Wow. Well, there you Here go. endeth the history lesson. It's a, it's a good little history lesson. That was cool. Um, well, that's that's been a bit of fun. Uh, one thing I do want to say is for those of you who haven't subscribed yet to Golf Barons, please do jump on at golfbarons.com and you'll get access to all of our content, which includes our Barons Life digital golf and lifestyle magazine, filmed reviews and plenty of fun challenges, comps, giveaways. We just want to bring some fun back to this game. Sign up, golfbarons.com. Perfect. Phil, it's been fun. Thank you, Damien. Till next time. Look forward to it. See you, mate.